It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Rissetti hitting you guys back up on Wednesday, June. I almost said July. Boy, I wish it was July. June 13th, knee-deep in mandatory minicamp. Second day coming through today. Uh, going to touch on a couple notes, as always. A couple, a couple bits that I've seen come through um, from today's practice. And then we'll continue our divisional previews with the AFC North. So one of the big, one of the interesting notes from today's practice is that Curtis Samuel did not practice today, but that wound up being a precautionary reason. Uh, Ron Rivera just, just basically felt, basically felt that Samuel had a large workload on Tuesday, so he just held out, held him out for, for precautionary reasons today. Also, too, and does sound like we have a bit of an injury. You know, obviously, don't know many details yet right now, but tight end Chris Manhurts was unfortunately carted off the field today. You know, don't know if it's a foot injury or whatnot. But they said he did give, did give a teammate, did, or did give a thumbs up, excuse me, to teammates as he was being carted off the field. So luckily, hopefully that's a bit of a good sign. Obviously, obviously we'll get more details. Hopefully, it in the very near future. Um, but overall, another solid day. It seems like. Lorenzo Doss just continued to have a very good practice. In fact, Ron Rivera talked about Lorenzo Doss after practice. And here was the quote from Rivera on Lorenzo Doss saying, He just seems to improve every day, but right now it's one of those things where there's no consequences. So you can play, kind of cut it loose. What will be interesting to see is if he can maintain that once the pads come on and the consequences increase in terms of when you get burned, you get burned, and it's a big deal. And when you don't right now, it's like I said, there aren't really aren't a lot of consequences, so you can gamble. You know, an interest, an interesting note, but definitely, definitely an important note to keep in mind because you know, obviously, we're only wearing helmets and shoulder pads, so players will probably. Do some more things now that they might not do in the heat of training camp, in the heat of full gear. You know, that's really what it boils down to. It's, it's like when we talk about with the scouting combine when all these players are impressing in t-shirt and shorts. Well, are they going to be able to do these kinds of things in full gear? So hopefully for Lorenzo Doss, he can continue what's been a, a very productive spring carry that over into the summer, into training camp, and in the preseason. 
So, but over, overall, like I said, seems like seems like another solid from what I've been gathering. Another solid solid day of practice for the Panthers. So they're getting ready to wrap up mini camp this week, and then it's vacation time until the end of June. I don't believe the Panthers have released their training training camp schedule yet, though. I know some teams have. I see. I saw the Buffalo Bills release their schedule earlier today, but this is about the time where training camp schedule will be coming out. So certainly be on the lookout for that. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So that's a quick kind of catch up on minicamp here. So now we will move on and continue our divisional previews here. And we're going to move into the AFC North. And we'll start... Excuse me. We will start in Baltimore with the Ravens, who, again, you know, we kind of talked about it yesterday when we talked about the Bills. Kind of more or less choked away the playoff spot. So, I'm, you know, this this season's a pretty important one. You know, how do they bounce back from letting a playoff spot slip away? You know, and this is kind of unfamiliar unfamiliar territory you know it's been a few years now since the Ravens have been in the playoffs is John Harbaugh's seat getting warm because of that you know if the Ravens miss the playoffs again this season it could be fair to wonder what the future of Harbaugh will be as Ravens head coach you know he's been there a long time I believe this will be his 11th season as head coach of the Ravens he came in in 2008 with uh Effectively with Joe Flacco, who of course you figure is kind of reaching the end himself, as evidenced by the fact the Ravens traded back into the first round to select Lamar Jackson, the quarterback out of Louisville, with the last pick of the first round. Which of course is is an interesting spot because remember it's all about that fifth year option. So now the Ravens have him for four years, and if they like what they see, if things go well, they can lock him up for a fifth year. But for now, it's it's still the Joe Flacco show. In fact, it was interesting seeing yesterday some of the reports saying the Ravens are still kind of unsure what to do with Lamar Jackson. Which is interesting. You know, I didn't any good chance to dig into it real deep, but... Ideally, you would hope they'll, you know, probably to start, they'll maybe create some packages for him if they want to use him maybe in kind of a wildcat type. But hopefully down the line they can really work with him and make it so that 
it's a smooth transition for him to become the starting quarterback at some point. Uh, of course, Jackson was the second of two first-round picks for the Ravens. The first, of course, was Hayden Hurst. And I think yesterday I was calling him Hunter. And if I do, I apologize. But thinking back, I think I kept calling him Hunter. But it's Hayden Hurst, the tight end out of South Carolina. This, of course, was after the Ravens were moving around a bit. Actually dropped back twice in the draft. They started at number 16. Traded down to 22 after the Bills moved up to get Tremaine Edmonds. And then they traded down again with the Titans moving up from 25 to 22 to select uh, Rashawn Evans, the linebacker out of Alabama. So the Ravens then finally sat at 25 and took Hurst. And then they followed it up by taking Mark Andrews, the tight end out of Oklahoma in the third round. So it was pretty interesting to see that two of their first few picks in the draft were at the tight end position. And to be honest, I think their third round tight end is better than their first round tight end. But nonetheless, you know, they have the two they have the two in tow. They also brought in Mark Andrews' college teammate Orlando Brown, the tackle out of Oklahoma in the third round. Brown, of course, was the one that had the abysmal scouting combine, which certainly led to him slipping as low as he did. So it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see see now what he brings to the table, how he can try to kind of rebuild himself after, of course, what was a really rough off season. So he'll come in as kind of a depth piece behind guys like Ronnie Stanley. And, you know, right, right now it's Alex Lewis, the fourth round pick in 2016 is listed as the starting right tackle. And he still have James Hurst, a left guard, Matt Skura listed at center, Marshall Yanda at, at right guard. Though Nico Siragusa, the left guard out of San Diego State is going to compete for one of those spots. And then they drafted Bradley Bozeman, the center out of Alabama, in the sixth round. And also took Greg Sanat, the Wagner tackle and former basketball player, also in the sixth round. Kind of rehauled their wide receiver core a little bit as well. Mike Wallace is gone. He's now with the Eagles. But Willie Sneed now is in the mix. After they signed him to an offer sheet and the Saints declined to match the offer. So Snead is there, as is Michael Crabtree, who was cut by the Raiders, now lands with the Ravens. Also drafted a couple of wide receivers. Jaleel Scott, the big receiver out of New Mexico State, and Jordan Lassley of UCLA. And then you still have first-round pick Brashad Perryman in the mix as well. Uh, John Brown as well signed him, so it's it's really a, a brand almost a brand new wide receiver group for Joe Flacco, uh, and then Alex Collins back at running back after he had a, a productive productive season last year, and they still have Javorius Allen and Kenneth Dixon in the mix as well. Uh, you look at the defensive side of the ball, you know. 
the Aegis Wonder, Terrell Suggs, still out there. You know, you have to wonder how much longer he has. But you've also got Brandon Williams there. And then guys like Michael Pierce, Brent Durbin, Carl Davis, Bronson, Kafusi in the interior there. Then C.J. Mosley, Patrick Onwasor, if I'm saying that right, and Albert, Mc Albert McClellan listed as the linebackers. They also drafted Kenny Young, the UCLA linebacker, in the fourth round. And then Brandon Carr and Jimmy Smith at the corners. With guys like Marlon Humphrey, last year's rookie, in the mix there. And then Tony Jefferson and Eric Weddle at the safety position. They also addressed that in the draft with Deshaun Elliott, the Texas safety, in the sixth round. So, you know, with the Ravens, again, it's a matter of how do they bounce back from last season? Can Joe Flacco... You know, what, what can Joe Flacco still give? Especially knowing now that Lamar Jackson is ready to take his spot. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting, you know. Especially with all these receivers. All, all these new receivers, really. You know, because like, a guy like Willie Sneed. Started off pretty strong in New Orleans, but there's certainly a lot of bodies there. So maybe he can kind of make a name for himself again in Baltimore. You know, Michael Crabtree was more or less pushed out, I guess. Um, again, they were pretty they were pretty top-loaded there in Oakland. You've got Amari Cooper, and now you've got Jordy Nelson. So Crabtree was let go. So, again... It, with these new guys, it's just going to be really interesting to see how they kind of connect with Joe Flacco. So they're they're going to be one of they're going to be one of the intriguing teams, I think. Move over to Cincinnati now, and of course now if you follow my work, you know that they're a team that I'm covering a little bit as well over at Bengals Wire. They're. Uh, Another kind of wild card, you know. There's definitely, it's definitely talent here. You know, obviously it starts with AJ Green, and then you have the strong, you have the good running backs, good running back mix, and Gio Bernard and Joe Mixon. What was interesting though there is they drafted Mark Walton in the fourth round, and Mark Walton is almost really similar to Gio Bernard. He's also kind of undersized. So I don't expect too much immediately out of Mark Walton. You know, certainly it's going to be the Joe Mixon show for for the majority. They also they also still have Tyler Eifert in the mix and Tyler Croft, CJ Uzuma. Interesting note there though is none of them are under contract for 2019. All, all three of them are ending a contract year. So, you know, not necessarily right now, but certainly maybe next offseason going forward, it, it's going to be interesting to watch how they address the tight end position. 
I really like the first round pick though in Billy Price. And I'm sure a lot of Cincinnati fans like that as well. Kind of a homegrown boy. He's from Ohio, of course. Went to Ohio State. Going to slot right in at that center position. That was held by Russell Bodine last year. But he wasn't that good. And now he's in Buffalo. So we knew they were going to address interior line at some point. That was probably their biggest need. And they addressed it right away in round one. Now, had the Lions not taken Frank Ragnow, I wonder who they would have sided with if they had the choice between Price and Ragnow. Personally, I probably still would have took Rice, or, or Price, rather. Um, Price gives you a lot of versatility. He's a guy that can play both center and guard. You know, we've even talked about him a little bit as a possibility for maybe the Panthers because of how much they needed interior help. So here's a guy that can was able to slide in in any of the interior spots. Again, they're going to likely start him at center. You've got Clint Bowling at left guard. And right now Trey Hopkins is listed at right guard. And then Cordy Glenn and Jake Fisher at the tackles. Of course, they traded for Cordy Glenn from the Bills. And then I think they're still... They still want to see what they can get out of Jake Fisher, the former second-round pick. And then you still have Cedric Obwehi, the former first-round pick, of course, the same year as Jake Fisher. It's fair to say that that pick is starting to become a bit of a wash. He really shouldn't have been a first-round pick that year anyway. Uh, the guy was coming off a torn ACL. So it, it was going to be a rocky start from the get-go, and really, a boy, he hasn't shown much. Uh, you wonder if he's going to compete with Fisher over that right tackle, but I would venture to say Fisher is probably the favorite for the left tackle or the right tackle spot. But as we know, when it comes to the Bengals in this offense, it all boils down to Andy Dalton. The Bengals team will pretty much go where Dalton will take them. And yeah, Dalton has his moments, but we're still talking about Andy Dalton here. Uh, they did also bring in Matt Barkley now as backup. And they drafted Logan Woodside in the seventh round. But Logan Woodside is off to a great start because he's been arrested for DUI. So... Not exactly off to off on the right foot there for the former Toledo quarterback. Defense, though, still a lot of good talent here, especially up front. Geno Atkins is still still good up front there at the tackle, and then you got Carlos Dunlap and Michael Michael Johnson among the DNs. They also drafted Sam Hubbard, another former Buckeye, in the third round. Uh, drafted Andrew Andrew Brown, too, in the fifth round out of Virginia. And Andrew Brown, I don't think he was really necessarily in the right fit. 
or they didn't really play him in the right fit at Virginia. But when they gave him a shot to kind of move move around at the Senior Bowl, he really showed what kind of player he can be. So I, I'm really intrigued by Andrew Brown here. And then even the college free agent they signed, Javon Roland Jones out of Arkansas State. Roland Jones is arguably one of the best defensive players in FBF, FBS history, certainly one of the best in Sunbelt history. I mean, he was just a dominant force since the day he got to Arkansas State. But therein lies the question, how's he going to make the jump from Arkansas State and the Sunbelt Conference to the NFL? Obviously, we've seen it happen. It's not like we're talking about uh, FCS or 1AA football. This is still FBS or the old 1A. So, you know, the Sun Belt, it, it, for those that follow college and know about the group of five, those five conferences, the Sun Belt is one of those conferences. So it's not like it's a bad conference, but still, you know, it is still kind of toward the bottom of the group of 11 miles, or group of 10, rather, uh, the group of five plus the power five. So... That transition is going to be is going to be the focal point, and real. But really, if if there's an undrafted player that's going to make this roster, it's prob. Roland Jones probably has the best chance. Uh, that group does also include Quentin Flowers, the former South Florida quarterback, but he's making the transition to running back. Mostly because he doesn't have the size for quarterback. He's only about 5'10". That's obviously not going to work in the NFL. But we know how athletic he is. Uh, you move into the linebackers now. Nick Virgil, Preston Brown, and in a few weeks, Vontez Perfect. Of course, Perfect will serve a three-game suspension to start the season. So we'll see what they do in terms of replacing him at least for those first couple games. Maybe it'll be rookie Malik Jefferson entering the starting lineup at least for the first couple games. Maybe it'll be Vincent Ray. We'll see. And then secondary, they also addressed that in the draft. Jesse Bates, safety out of Wake Forest. Took him in the second round. Uh, you still have... The young group of corners, though, too, with Drake Kirkpatrick, William Jackson, Darquez Denard, all former first-round picks, of course. And then they went and drafted a pair of corners in the fifth round, Devontae Harris out of Northern Illinois and Darius Phillips out of Western Michigan. And Darius Phillips, I think, can be a real good special teamer as well and really help in the return game. He's one of the better returners, maybe the best returner in the MAC as well as having a solid play at the cornerback position. So he's a bit of a – he's definitely a sleeper there in the fifth round, and I'm intrigued by Harris as well, checking him out. So when it comes to the Bengals, uh, again, it all boils down to Andy Dalton, and really it boils down to Marvin Lewis, you know, the fact that he's even still coaching this team is almost mind-boggling, especially since they just gave him an extension. 
I mean, yeah, consistency and continuity is nice in the NFL, but you got to show some some results at some point, too. And that includes, at some point, maybe winning a playoff game, especially if you've been there for so long. You know, the bottom line is Marvin Lewis has been head coach now for about 15 years, and he still hasn't won a playoff game. I mean, Doug Peterson has already won a Super Bowl, and he's only been head coach two years. Marvin Lewis is 0-7 in the playoffs. So when does the change come? When When will they finally move on and go for a fresh start? That seems like the million-dollar question right now with the Bengals. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But at least the Bengals have won games recently. Cleveland Browns have not. Cleveland Browns are coming off an 0-16 season. And you talk about a coach that was a surprise that he stayed. Hugh Jackson has won one game in two years as head coach of the Browns. Like, that's just amazing, isn't it? I mean, you know, here we are in June, obviously close to another season, so we've had time to dwell on But still, it's just still amazing to think about the fact that a head coach can win just one game out of 32 in the National Football League. But here we are with the Browns. Funny thing now is there's people out there talking about the Browns being a possible wild card contender. Now, let's talk about that. Yes, they've been very busy this offseason. That included, of course, trading for Jarvis Landry from the Miami Dolphins. That includes, you know, certainly, certainly a lot of moves. Because let's remember too, this team had a lot of cap space. So they, and that's one reason they were able to absorb the contract and and give a big contract extension to Jarvis Landry. Because again, he he signed his franchise tag with the Dolphins, and then the Dolphins ended up trading Brown or trading Landry to the Browns. Uh, But again, they were pretty busy in free agency, which included Carlos Hyde, the former 49ers running back, and also brought in guys like E.J. Gaines, the former Bills cornerback, Michael Kendricks, who was just cut by the Eagles, Donald Stevenson, the former tackle for the Browns. So there's obviously a lot of new faces, and then of course, you get to the guys they drafted, which included number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield, which was definitely a surprise. The whole draft process, we thought it was going to be Sam Darnold, there was rumblings that maybe it could be Josh Allen, 
then almost right before the draft, reports come out that it's either Josh Allen or Baker Mayfield. And then come draft day, it sounded like they were zeroing in on Baker Mayfield. Well, well also there was a report that uh, the Browns, that, that, the, that John Dorsey had settled on Mayfield about two months ago and didn't really tell anybody. So credit to them for keeping things hush-hush and keeping everybody really guessing because nothing really leaked until pretty much the day of the draft. And then it became official that they went with Baker Mayfield. Then they continued to build the running back stable, drafting Nick Chubb in the second round. They also drafted Austin Corbett, who was actually the first pick of the second round, who was a real good guard out of Nevada. So now they have two good guards out of Nevada, including, of course, Joel Batonio, who settled in very nicely there. Uh, he's, he's been banged up a bit, but overall he's been good. And now you got Austin Corbett in the mix. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Donald Stevenson, how he fares into the mix as far as the tackles go. Because obviously tackle is going to be a big hole now for them after the sudden retirement of Joe Thomas. But I really like this running back stable. You bring Carlos Hyde in free agency, draft Nick Chubb, and they just gave a contract extension to Duke Johnson. So those are three good running backs that combined will make a real nice three-headed monster. Obviously, for fantasy purposes, it's going to be real tough to figure out week to week who's going to be the guy to own or who's going to be the best fantasy option for the season. But in terms of on the field, this is good. And then, of course, Tyrod Taylor now, who they traded for, he'll, he should end the season. And Hugh Jackson's been kind of reiterating all spring that Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback right now. They also brought in Drew Stanton, the former Cardinals backup, to back up Taylor. And then again, you have Baker Mayfield in the mix. Uh, keep an eye, too, of course, at the tight end position. They seem pretty intrigued with Seth DeValve, the former fourth-round pick in 2016. But the big guy, of course, is David Njoku, the first-round pick last year, who looks like he's starting to develop. Uh, if this kid gets it together, he can be a, a real good tight end, especially for, you know, got, for a new quarterback like Tyrod Taylor and then once Baker Mayfield steps in. Defense starts with Miles Garrett, of course. Had a tremendous rookie season after being the number one pick. Uh, they also have been pleased with Emmanuel Ogba. Also drafted Chad Thomas out of Miami. Signed Chris Smith, the former Bengal edge. Carl Nassib in the mix. Uh, interior, Larry Ogunjobi third-round pick last year. I think they're excited to see if he can break out. I think they're expecting some good things out of him. Linebacker position is interesting now that they've added Michael Kendricks because you had three solid guys already in the mix, Jamie Collins, Joe Scobert, and Christian Kirksey. So 
seeing where Michael Kendricks is going to fit in there, I think is going to be something to watch this preseason. Uh, Nate Orchard's still in the mix there as well, the former second-round pick. They also drafted Jannard Avery, the Memphis linebacker, in the fifth round. And then, of course, they spent their second pick in the first round, fourth overall, on Denzel Ward, the Ohio State cornerback. Remember, they traded away Jason McCourty, who had a solid season for the Browns last year. So, had a hole there. They filled it with Ward. And then, again, you bring in EJ Gaines from Buffalo. Travis Carey is in the mix. And then they traded for Demarius Randall from the Packers. And then Jabril Peppers, last year's first-round pick. Uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of joking about how far off Jabril Peppers played off the line of scrimmage last season. Bringing in a guy like Demarius Randall should kind of balance that out, or at least help them bring Peppers closer to the line of scrimmage. So. This team's not going to go 0-16 again. They're going to win some games. Are they a playoff contender? Maybe not yet. Give it a couple years, though. I think you're going to see something build here. But I think this is a team that can probably win five or six games this season. And finally, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who just seem to be the class of the AFC North. They won the last couple of division titles coming off of course a very shocking home loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the divisional playoff so obviously they've had a lot of time to reflect on that and looking at some of their offseason moves so Morgan Burnett was the the big signing for them in free agency, the former Green Bay safety. Also brought in former Colts linebacker John Bostick, and then a bunch of one-year deals. Nate Burry, former safety of the Giants, uh, and then just re-signed a couple of their guys, Daniel McCullers, Justin Hunter, Stephen Ridley, Fitzgerald Toussaint. Uh, they also, of course, traded away Martavis Bryant to the Oakland Raiders, but they more or less were able to fill in that spot, as it were. You know, you traded a receiver, and then you brought one in, back in via the draft in James Washington. In fact, uh, I think they said this was the first time ever, if I remember correctly, that a team selected a quarterback and a wide receiver from the same school in the same draft, as they, of course, also drafted Mason Rudolph in the third round. So now those two are back together. And who knows, maybe Mason Rudolph is the future in Pittsburgh. There was a lot of, I mean, I guess there were some reports, see maybe more speculation, that it seemed like Roethlisberger, well, I mean, I guess it wasn't really speculative. They pretty much had the quote, too, where Roethlisberger more or less just didn't seem happy that um, they – I think the quote was something like, you, you don't win building a team that way. 
or, or something like that. So pretty much insinuating that he, w- he wasn't happy that they drafted Mason Rudolph. But the fact is, the way Ru- Ben Roethlisberger had been threatening retirement for the last couple of years, it's almost forcing the Steelers' hand. You almost had to think they had to address the quarterback situation at some point. I mean, Landry Jones has been the backup for a few years, and he's been a solid backup. But that's really about what he is. He's not He's not really meant to be a full-time starter. They had to grab someone that could be a full-time starter. Now, remember, too, they also have Josh Dobbs in the group as well, the fourth-round pick last year out of Tennessee. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles everything now that there's a little bit of competition for him as well. But, of course, you still have the two stars on offense there in Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Now, Bell, of course, is playing on the franchise tag again. And he doesn't seem happy about it. So, could this be Bell's last year in Pittsburgh? I mean, they didn't they didn't really address the running back position this offseason, though. Maybe they're, maybe they're happy with James Conner, former third-round pick out of Pitt last year. And again, re-signed Toussaint, re-signed Ridley as depth pieces. Also also signed the guy that I actually interviewed on this show, Jarvion Franklin, the Western Michigan running back, signed him as a college free agent. Um, he, also, he also signed Jalen Samuels, the uh, kind of H-back type running back out of NC State. So you got some pieces here, and then obviously the offensive line continues to be good. Alejandro Villanueva, Ramon Foster, Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro, Marcus Gilbert up front, Jesse James and Vance McDonald at the tight ends. And then back at the receiver position, we know how good of a rookie season Juju Smith-Schuster had in this offense. So certainly some more expectations out of him entering year two. Defensively, starts with the fact that they're certainly really going to miss the presence of Ryan Shazier. It's really good just to see him walking, though, in general. That's great to see. But on the field, it's going to be tough to match his production. They're going to try right now with Vince Williams and John Bostick in the middle there flanked by Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt at linebackers. We've got guys like Cameron Hayward, Jason Hargrave, and Stephon Tewitt up front. And then you've got uh, Joe Hayden and Artie Burns among the corners, and Sean Davis listed right now as the starting safety opposite Morgan Burnett. Then you get into the two safeties that they drafted, including probably the most surprising pick of round one, in Terrell Edmonds, the brother of Tremaine Edmonds, safety out of Virginia Tech. There was a lot of people that had this guy pegged a maybe a third, more fourth-round type player, and the Steelers took him in the first round. And that surprised a lot of people. And then they kind of, some might even say compound the problem, by taking Marcus Allen in the fifth round. And there might even be some people that's that'll say Allen is better than Edmonds. 
it was a really strange draft. It was really fascinating, if you would, how the Steelers attacked this draft. I mean, it's it was a bit of a head scratcher to say the least, but nonetheless, I think they still have enough talent, especially on offense, that I still think they're the favorites in this division. I think you still have to consider the Steelers, and certainly two probably one of the favorites in the AFC. You know, I know there's already people that are predicting the Steelers could potentially get to the Super Bowl. And obviously, I think they're going to have a lot of motivation coming off the loss to Jacksonville in the divisional round. I think that was a, a real wake-up call. You know, one of those one, one of those games where they realize you can't just walk onto the field and expect to win, feel like you're the superior opponent. That doesn't work in the NFL. And if they proved it last year in the playoffs when the Jags put up 45 points on that defense. So we'll see how the Steelers turn it around. But I would venture to say uh, the Steelers are definitely a, uh, a Super Bowl favorite. And when I make my picks later on, maybe I end up picking them to go to the Super Bowl. We'll see how things play out. So that's a look at the AFC North. Next time we will go to what could be one of the best divisions in football this season. And a division that could really contend to having three teams in the playoffs. And that's the AFC South. We'll get to that next time on Locked on Panthers. As always, really appreciate you guys listening. Maybe you can find the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast listening pleasure. You can follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti. And thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And until next time, Bill Rossetti saying thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here on LOP. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.